Here we go, here we go. Stop where you are. Here we go. Fold your hands, close your eyes. Let's pray, and then you go back to having some fun. Here we go. Lord God, Heavenly Father, who in your time revived the church and graciously kindled the light of your saving word, preserve us also in the light and knowledge of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Let him shine in our hearts and grant that we all always follow him and adorn our lives with the pure teaching of your word. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, good to see you. Thanks for everything. Uh, it's been a great weekend. I try to remember all the things that should happen here. If you put money in the basket, we're going to give that to um, Christmas sharing. Carol had very nice bags for you to take home. They look just like, look at the hex. Like I'm surprised the hex don't have their filled already. They're such good Christians. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes they take a Sabbath, so don't hold it against them. Get a bag like this, fill it up, okay, bring it back. Leave it, yeah, leave early, go to the store. That's right. If your donkey falls into a well, is it a sin to shop at Mariano's on a Sunday? No, because not. Okay, so, all right, so that was nice. Uh, Oktoberfest was particularly nice. Lindsay Yocker, where are you? We should give her a round of applause, right? Because I think, you know, wherever she happens to be. Where are you, Lindsay? Where are you? She's here somewhere. No, she's just not admitting to it? You know what she is doing? She's putting the leftover food out in the kitchen right now, which you should take home. So if you like spetzel and sauerkraut and brats and you want more or you didn't get any, I think we're just going to straight up Ziploc bags, take it all home, don't leave it, okay? So I don't know what the count was, but I walked through once. They set up more than 300 seats, and every seat was filled at one point with still kids running around downstairs. So it was good. Um, so that was really good. Now, you know, we go into our period of holidays, and then a little in the spring, it's uh, men's and women's retreat and all that. Catechumenus starts. Vic, help me. We start in this. Is it November? No, this is next week. Okay, Saturday at 8.30, I'm buying breakfast. Um, right here, 8.30, come to Catechumen, or if you know people who want to join, we should, um, you know, bring them in, and we'll, we'll sort of get going. So Catechumen starts Saturday, take some food home, give some money to Carol, because she's nice. Uh, what else? Anything else? Good job coming early today and singing. People who sang really liked it. Next week, too? And it was fine. It was, so come next week for the prelude. It was nice to actually look up. Maybe you didn't look up, but if you look up, in, you can actually see what I think may resemble a pipe, right? <laughs> Who knew after five years? Beautiful. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Um, yeah, uh, don't send me any more articles on sex robots. I've read all I need to read, so <laughs> you betray yourself with every act. Uh, yes? On Tuesday, yes, my child. I'm not sure. Nobody's ever gotten back to me, and that's the truth. <laughs> yeah, I know. On Tuesday, what time? 7.30. That's good, because somebody asked me if it was in the morning. 7.30 p.m., there is a Reformation service at Concordia University. They'll be too exhausted to participate, but you should come, right? Isn't that about how it is? Yeah, you're all about to drop over, right? So it was a big, big weekend and big, big stuff, and... And online on, on Monday is the cage match between the president of Wheaton College, the president of the Missouri Senate, and the Archbishop of Chicago. Last man standing, 500 years after. You can go to the CUC website, go to Concordia Chicago. They, I checked it already. It's very easy to click and listen, right? Every seat sold out. It's jam-packed with 650 partisans. Uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be nice. I mean, you know... 
One of the problems, yeah, I mean, one of the problems with the Reformation is we forgot how to act around archbishops, your eminence. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens, right? We're just going to see what happens. So, yes, I am preaching, but you've heard it before, so don't, don't you know, knock yourselves out. Uh, 7.30 at Concordia if you want to come, come around. So, all right. The O'Neills are nice people. I mean, if you're looking for nice people, Jack, I mean, Judy's a lucky woman. I think everybody has to kind of recognize that, right? Yeah, I mean, that's easy. Welcome back, Lindsay. Too bad you missed the round of applause we gave you. Let's give her another round of applause. Sorry. Were you putting food out? Is that what you were doing? Okay, so the food's out. Take it home. Don't leave food here. It's amazing, like, when we moved into this building, there were, we, you know, we moved over, and there were five rooms of junk, and John worked hard, and there's four, and then there's three, then there's two. And I can remember John came in, and three months ago, five months ago, and there was only one room of junk left, and we're like, yeah, yeah, guess what? Suddenly there's like two rooms of junk. We're, we're looking around going, what kind of people bring their stuff to church and drop it off? Don't be that guy, okay? Right? It's like the big red dumpster, one of my fa- after the Eucharist, maybe my favorite part of St. John, is the big permanent red dumpster next door. Throw stuff away. For my kids, that's all you need to know about raising kids. Oh, yeah, you probably shouldn't model on me. Put it away or throw it away. That's all you need to know, right? Put it away. You don't think that's funny? I think it's hilarious, okay? Put it away or throw it away. That's all, you know, 500 or less. You don't need any more stuff. All right, finally, let's do this. Hating your neighbor makes you stupid, makes you dumb, okay? If you have this, if not, you can just listen. Just a couple of minutes. But really, what's so interesting to me now is we've had this couple of years, actually most of my lifetime, of people becoming more and more crass and sort of civility diminishing. And, you know, the last couple of weeks have been a horror story uh, just in terms of how uh, people care for each other and especially, you know, all the men women stuff going on. And it just is, you know, you just can really, you know, it hurts, it hurts every morning to get up and hear this kind of stuff. Now, here's the thing. Um, What's interesting is in the last month or two, there have been a few places where people have kind of at high-level news outlets and papers. I mean, just from my own reading, there have been places where people have sort of said, whoa, this is all going too far, which is kind of interesting. They also then proceed to to trash people pretty easily. But it's a learned skill being civil, right? You know, it's a learned skill to be polite, to put other people in front of your... You put other people's interests in front of your own interests. It's a learned skill. Uh, it came automatically from the church. Now that the church has been distanced, people don't learn it anymore. And so guess what? They don't know how to do it. So, um, you know, we sort of went from the church had it to society had it to now nobody has it. Um, you at least should have it. And you move through your life as a Christian no matter where you live or what happens. Okay, that's, that's great. Um, But one of the things we want to resist, and I, you know, I did read this at least, I've read this article three or four times. I've read this once at least as a criticism of the Missouri Synod. We do this in my whole lifetime. I've told you before, my own church split when I was in the eighth grade, and it's been a fistfight ever since in the Missouri Synod. So, okay, you know, uh, even though it's Reformation Day. I mean, just kind of read through this, right? You sort of read through this. We're acting like the world works by black magic. Now, this guy, Alistair Crowley, Crowley, some of you guys know this, the wickedest man on earth, he's a famous witch, right? You know, summed up what it is to be a Satanist, basically. Do what thou wilt is the hold of the law. This is the end of the first thing. Do you, is that what you really want? You really want everybody to do whatever they want? And you really want the strongest only to survive? 
your time in the limelight will be very, very short if you, if you give that a try. Okay? So a quick glance at our culture. I'm just going to read kind of the pink stuff to you. A quick glance at our culture confirms the habits of magical thinking are stubborn and persistent, which is, this is just Adam. I'm the most important one, and everyone else should bow to my needs. Right? We don't call political lobbying the dark arts for nothing. So then the next thing, and we've talked about this a lot, shouting is not the same as thinking. Punching somebody in the nose is not the same as thinking either. Thinking is actually thinking. And very few, you know, as my high school history teacher would say, thinking is hard work. That's why so few people do it, right? It's, not, it's difficult to restrain yourself and actually think things through. It's difficult, right? And complex problems don't have simple answers. You make a big mess, it takes you, you know, this is like when people come with a marriage, they've been married 10 years, everything's blown up, and they want it to be fixed in the pastor's office in one session. And it takes you 10 years to get there, it's going to take you 10 years to get out. That is how most problems work. Problems are complex. And without some almost miraculous kind of intervention, it's the grind of, you know, working hard, thinking hard, tending yourself, living in forgiveness. None of those things are currency anymore in America. So what happens is, is that, um, you know, bottom of the first page, all of these trends have hampered our ability to think carefully, judiciously, and generously. It's very interesting. Carefully, A to B, B to C, linear thinking. Yep, it's a Western invention. Guess what? There's a reason the West looks the reason it does. I mean, forget about, you know, prior. It just whether you really want, you know, CAR-T therapy for your cancer. If you want that, Western society is pretty good for that. If you don't want that, Linear thinking, you know, call the shaman. Okay? I mean, there are some advantages, and, and only, you know, it's like co- communism only works on college campuses. You know, this sort of rhetoric, uh, you know, it works good in kind of political sphere, but when you have cancer, believe me, you're going to uh, want a little virus to carry some, um, some, some new DNA in and make it better for you. That's what you're going to want. And that doesn't happen with other presuppositions, okay? So there are some things you might, it basically boils down to life and death. So, um, and, and just by the by, in saying that, things that don't buy, boil down to life and death, let them go, man. Stop being so, you know, so-so. All right. Um, the fundamental problem we have may be best described as an orientation of the will. So, um, Intellect sees, will chooses. The easiest thing, the easiest way to think about a human being. The intellect sees, the heart loves, the will chooses. So you just have to choose differently. Sometimes you have to even choose against yourself, right? Um, if you always think like a tribe, and your tribe is better than everybody else, what you basically do is dehumanize other people. This is what happens in racism. This is what happens in xenophobia. This is what happens when you talk about those people right? You dehumanize them, which is completely anti-Christian, right? I mean, if you believe the most basic things like for God so loved the world, you can't dehumanize other people because Jesus didn't, right? If he thinks it's a bundle and everybody has value as a human being, then you know what? Um, You're probably going to have to think differently. We're alarmingly content to retreat into cultural Bunkers adopting a scorched earth winner take all mentality and a violent attitude toward argument and disagreement. 
Um, one of you sent me a little clip this week and said, you know, how do you, how do you respond to this? It was a thing about whether life begins at conception. And, you know, the, there are about 10 pejoratives. And, you know, ask those people. Tell them that they're lying. They're horrible people. They won't admit to this. They've never thought this through. I mean, the pejorative nature of, um, you know, it basically was a binary philosophical question. If you're in a doctor's office and you know the place starts to catch on fire, do you take a five-year-old? Do you take a do you take a vial that has an, an embryo, a frozen embryo? Which do you take out and you can only take one? Well, I mean, of course, the answer is Kobayashi Maru, right? I mean, come on, thank you. At least you, right? Uh, MacGyver the thing, you know? Really? You can't pick up two things at once. Most five-year-olds know how to walk. Like, the fire alarm's going off. It's like, you know, the thing is, is, and if they, you know, if they take the kid, then they're a liar. Well, I mean, life's not that. But it was the vitriol with which, and you often, you know, Facebook is as far as you need to go. Those stupid people, right? Those stupid people who think that. Well, you know, most things we think are not very clean. You know, and only mathematical proof comes out even near 100%. Bertrand Russell, the great you know, mathematician philosopher, used to say, you know, smart people are smart people because they know that they don't get the answers right. The reason they're smart is they can estimate the amount by which approximately they'll be wrong, right? That's very different than saying, I got the answer and you're stupid. To say I'm smart because I know I'm wrong and I can probably guess that I'm probably off, you know, only by a factor of four and not four million. So, I don't know, you know, just... You can't control anybody else, but you can be a light in the world, okay? So we're alarmingly content to retreat into these cultural... We have a violent attitude toward disagreement and discord. We think about it as warfare, as weapon, as enemies, as people dehumanize, as betrayal, right? You can't be a friend of mine if you think differently. And then he uses this, this phrase, the repugnant cultural other, which basically means you hate those people, Right? Now, what's interesting is the middle, and this is what, what's nice is I've seen this probably about 10 times over the last couple of months. It's expressed in different ways, where love is a component of thinking, or beauty is a component of thinking. You had a couple of margin comments last week about that, where beauty is a component of thinking, right? So we've sort of absorbed this notion, mostly Kantian, I suppose, but you know, we've absorbed this notion that you know, the world only extends as far as I can see. Um, well, that puts theoretical physics to shame in a lot of ways, right? There's, there's a lot going on that you and I can't see. So sometimes we should just, with humility, sort of relax. And thinking involves, in the middle of the page, thinking involves loving rightly. People with other ideas are not repugnant monsters. They are persons who, given a slight tweak of circumstances, could be you. I must tell you, when your kid gets arrested or hurt, or fails out of school, or when it's your spouse that is very, very sick, um, or you lose somebody close to you, or you lose your job, all the questions change. You start to think very differently. I read an article this week about, um, in Canada, um, Canada legalized end-of-life, basically legalized assisted suicide, and the article was about the number of parents who are looking for assisted suicide for their children, okay? Like the one that I read was 91 inquiries at one place. Now, some of those um, are clearer, 
I'm not endorsing this. I'm just saying that some of them are kids who are deeply sick and very, in very much pain. You can see how the progression follows. But you know, the shocking thing that's happened in Europe is the number of people that are being euthanized because they're depressed or because they're addicts, right? I mean, that is, that is dangerous territory. Well, from a Christian standpoint, just in terms of every human life is valuable. But we've seen eugenics, you know, all the way back to Plato. We've seen what this does, right? Because, you know, frankly, someday they come for you. Someday a great reason to kill people will be because they're Christian. And if they're Christian, they must be stupid, right? It's just, you know, if the rules change, you look out. You know, this is why you watch, for example, just watch things in the, you know, well, just watch how the rules are bent on all sides in Washington for people to get their way. Pick something. You can pick them on both sides of the aisle. So interesting, right? So, um, you know, you want to be careful. And the interesting thing here, and this is how it always works. By the way, this is for your family, for your friends, for your kids, for people you know. It always goes like this. Love, then trust. I can't tell you the number of pastoral meetings I have sat in where somebody says, we all need to trust each other. Right? Or I, there have even been resolutions on the floor where I've been at meetings with pastors where I said, we resolved that we all trust each other. I'm like, this is about so stupid. I, it makes me want to go to a McDonald's drive-in and get lunch because it would be a better use of my time. <laughs> Why should I trust you? You know, right? The reason you should trust this guy right here is because you love him and he loves you back. It always goes love then trust. If you want someone to trust you, love them. That's the natural progression. There, there is not trust without love. It's something else, but it's not trust. It's not the virtue of trust. So God loves us, and we recognize that we're loved by him, and we love in return, and we trust ourselves to him. Right? That's, that's how it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. As a human being, it always goes love than trust. It always does. Okay? So if you want to, you know, create calm, for example, the first step is to love people and not to hate them and to conduct your discourse in a way that you show them that you love them and respect them and don't hate them. And if you begin with you're stupid, you're other, you're less than, if you begin the conversation that way, it go, it'll go nowhere. You can legislate it all you want, and as soon as that law breaks down, people will walk next door and shoot their next-door neighbor. And nobody should be surprised by that, right? If you're only constrained by force, when the force no longer constrains, right? So the trick is not to detach our own thinking from all our feelings of fellowship with humans as cultural warrior logic would de- demand. Instead, we ner- need to learn to think with the best people and not to think with the worst, Right? Thinking rightly is about character formation. Thinking is about character formation, right? So you think about what a community means to form things. This is why you come to church every week, because about seven days and you need a tweak, right? Just like changing your oil, you need a tweak. So it goes like this, loving, trusting, thinking, changing. That's... How it works, if you don't trust people, you're unlikely to allow them anything like a victory over you. Um, it was interesting, Pastor 
Bukes in his sermon today talked about. I happened to run that thing from a year ago or two years ago from the Wall Street Journal. Same guy wrote again. It was horrible, the stuff that he wrote, um, because it was quoted uh, tendentiously. You know, he quoted the parts he liked. In fact, he even took a famous quote from Luther. He said, uh, a Christian is slave of no one and master of no Slave of no one and master of all. The problem is that's a two, two-sided quote. Luther also says a Christian is um, master of none and slave of all, right? So he just even said half the quote, and you kind of go like, yeah, he really didn't have American democracy in mind when he wrote that. You know, maybe you can pull some threads, but eesh. And it's not always agreed that... Um, that was the best idea. So, you know, Luther wouldn't have thought that. Luther didn't know anything about democracy. Read what he says about kings and about bishops and about, you just, you know, nobles. I mean, yikes. So, um, in any case, you live in a different time, which is completely fine. But what you want to do is to live in a way that you don't dehumanize other people, that you care for them, that you love them, that you listen to them, that you build trust, that you give where you can, that you serve all that you hold the things that are valuable to be valuable. And those are the things that are virtues. Now I'm all the way back to my normal speech about virtue over tribe. And, you know, um, All Saints is coming up. You have the great victory of Reformation Day, but All Saints comes next week. And basically, you know, seven-story mountain, it does, in fact, it is, in fact, true that as you get older, time accelerates, you know. Um, it's not just that you have less time as you get older. The time goes faster, and then you die. And in some ways, it's a great relief. Uh, so you stick to the end, to what's true, and then, you know, they die. It's why the martyrs were able to um, allow themselves to be, and sometimes would encourage their people to hurry up, right? So, you know, you have to think about your life as a whole. Try to, try to think cleverly. Try to think crisply. Try to think lovingly. And try to understand that if you hate other people, you're stupid, I mean, I, it, just, it is what it is. If you hate other people, you don't know how to think. And you'll only get worse. And, you know, it'll be, it'll be the walking dead before you know it. Um, because that's, that's how human beings are. And how much proof you need, I just don't know how much proof we need, right? You know, but I think I'm going to run it as a margin comment. There's 4,000 years of recorded history. 3,750 of it is the record of war. 20, 250 is the record of preparing for war. So, I mean, you know what? Just do the math. We stink at living with each other when we're left to ourselves. It's only when we give ourselves over to our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer, that we live as we should live. You know, be other. I don't, you know, what do you, I mean, gee whiz, you know, what do you want from life? You know, it's more important to be true than to be rich. It's more important to be loving than to be famous. It's more important to be, you know, honorable than to, you know, compromise yourself. Just, you just carry on and it'll all shake out. You're only going to live about 80 years anyway. Maybe 90 if you get lucky. And then, you know, then eternity is a really long time after that. So try to stick in, okay? Good? Depressed now? Okay, good. (laughs) Just questions about any of that? Don't be stupid. That's all I'm, you know. uh, But you can inoculate yourself from being stupid just by being loving. Isn't that great? So, and I gave, you know, it's not like, I, you know, Jack Ma said it to you. You know, LQ, love quotient. You've got to be able to love people or you'll never be successful. All right, I've been trying to get to that for, from forever, okay? You okay? You good? All right.
Question about anything? Anything what we're doing? There's just, you know, ramp up now because it's, it's time to get going. Mr. Oh, boy. You're a smart guy. This could be dangerous here. Yes, what can I do for you? I want to press the trust love parameter. Yeah, okay, good. So there's obviously different kinds of love. And yes. You would say that there's true love. There's also, I don't know, false love. But you can express love for someone and say it more in a patronizing way. I love you, and I know what's best for you, and this is what you're going to do. Now, I'm expressing my love, so I'm expressing love for you. You should love me in return, and therefore you should trust what I do no matter what it is. So take the extreme examples of you know, religious sects, uh, you know, political parties, whatever. They say, I love you, and so because I know what's best for you, this is what you should do, even though it is impulsive you know, or whatever it is. So... In my head, I, I, I formulated two smarty pants answers. The first one about the Wendy's, and the second is about German, about Ref, Germans on Reformation Day. But I'm going to push ahead to my third answer in love for you and just kind of go, although the other two I'll share with you later because I think they're clever, at least in my own head. So um, the answer is in Luther's margin comment today where he basically says, love never works by force. He's not quite that clear, but you can take the one. I have to hammer and drill this all the time. And then he kind of gives this thing where he says, hey, I drank beer and the Reformation happened all by itself, which, you know, you kind of go. So I think the, the key is love, as you describe it. So you have children, I have children. Um, what I constantly say to my children, and I'm sure you do too, is this is what matters most. This is what it is to have a loving life. However, you've come to an age, as have I, where you can't make your kids do anything, nor can I, right? right? The only thing you can do is love people into it and pray like crazy for them. The great margin comment last week where it said, with your prayers, you entangle the demons. I was like, you heard those gladiator movies where they had the chain or the rope with weights on one end, and they'd throw it around the people's ankles, and then they'd tumble. I'm thinking that's what your prayers do to the demons, right? So the best that you can do is to say, I love you, and this is what love looks like, and live that love yourself. And then I think you, you know, hoisted with your own petard, you said something like, um, when that's enforced or demanded, which of course is not love, which you of course know. So love can be, the same act can be, the very same act can be an act of love or an act of hate, right? right? So it's defined by, is it selfless for their good and not by force? And then anything that becomes by force, we're still in the range that we're in the realm of love now. Anything in the realm of love that happens by force is not, in fact, love, right? How's that? So that's the gospel way to think about love, which is it never happens by force. Nothing good happens by force. Right Now, you, in response to human beings, to your kids, to your wife, to other people, to the people you work with, you may say sometimes, I won't do that for you because that's not good for you, right? Um, that can be a loving act, a withdrawal of something, right? So when you write your will, if you've got a kid who's a, a, an addict, um, you might not leave him any money because it will only last about a month. On the other hand, if you have a kid who has some special needs, you might give them double the amount that you give everybody else because 
That's the hand they were dealt. Right? So love has to work itself out, never by force, never by force, never by force. And you will stun the world. Not See, if you don't want to be famous, and if you don't want to be rich, and if you don't want to be in charge, Jesus wasn't rich, wasn't in charge, but he wasn't interested in being famous. If you can give all that up, the world kind of opens up to you. Right? I'm not arguing for kind of hair shirt poverty or even going into a sect. I'm just arguing for, I mean, and I'm, I am arguing for you to clump together. One of the most amazing things about Wheaton College is how they get their kids' jobs in extraordinarily important places in a very young age. One of, the, one of the really admirable things about Wheaton College is how they care for their own. The network is thick, and in some sense I suspect, although I've never asked anybody, I suspect it's because you basically go to Wall Street and try to get a job as a bond trader uh, with a Wheaton College degree, people are going to be like, yeah, you're not going to be any fun. right? We'll hire somebody else. I mean, we need to be like that, but I think the basic thing is love never works by force. And Jesus is the greatest example. Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing as they're nailing them to the cross, right? He loves them, and he won't force them to let them be. So, I don't know. Um, I don't know, that's, that's the best I can do. But I will give you my smarty pants answers later. <laughs> All right, anything else? Just about any of that? So just try to, you know, be your own person. Doesn't matter what anybody else does. Live in the image of Christ. Let the chips fall where they fall. Um, Christ loves you, and he'll care for you, and he'll work it out. I was talking to somebody yesterday about how um, we've all had troubles in our lives we wish didn't happen. But you're a different person because they did, right? And you have opportunities that you have because you've suffered that you wouldn't have otherwise. They can be opportunities of empathy where you understand other people better. Maybe you're less judgmental or maybe more helpful. They can be opportunities where the Lord sort of cleared a way for you that would not have been cleared with the same sort of, within the same time frame, or maybe not at all, even though you limp as you go toward it. You know, Jacob. Jacob is rough and tumble when he leaves, and he's just Jacob. He comes back to be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He limps on his return. Angel put his hip out of joint, and he limped with that the rest of his life. And it's only after he limped that he actually mattered, right? That, he, that his life mattered. And I will remind you, as always, of the great, you know, thing, the, the icon of the transfiguration, right? Jesus comes from this deep red and blue from eternity to show you that all is well, so that someday when he's crucified, or you're crucified, you know that all is well, right? You can't see your life in real time. You have no idea what's happened to you. I read a thing with, from an exorcist this week. These things you have to be very careful with um, because you don't quite know. The exorcist says to the devil, how many of you are there? The devil replies, if you could see us all, we would block the sunshine. Now, here's the thing. In one sense, you say, well, Jesus says to the demon, how many, are you, how many of you are there? We are legion, right? On the other hand, uh, 
the devil is prideful. And what he hates is when you don't believe him or take him seriously. So if you were lucky enough to serve at the altar at 8 a.m. this morning, you heard Pastor Nelson's own rendition of A Mighty Fortress. Yeah, right? You who are there, remember, that has to stay in that room. Now, here's the thing. There were young Nolan Shield was there. And uh, who else was there? Who was my other altar boy this morning? Who was the strut? It was Asher, yes. Asher, you know, a man in whom there is no guile. You know, one of you should have your daughter marry Asher. I mean, he's going to be, you know, he's just like, you know, he just, uh, he's, he's, that's a, Nolan too, right? Although Nolan gets just enough stitches from time to time to make you think, you know. But I, I, I had to turn to him and say, you know, so they're seeing Pastor Nelson sing this rendition of A Mighty Fortress on Reformation Day. We're all dressed in red and about ready to pray. And what I'm saying to them was, you know, you have to remember that the devil hates it when he's mocked. And what Pastor Nelson is doing right now is mocking the devil so that we'll all go safely to the altar. That was the best that I could do with that. <laughs> so, you know, just, just kind of move through life. If you can move through life in love, you will create trust and things will work out. Your job isn't to make people trust you. Your job, your simple job. What's the one thing that fulfills the great? It was the, we had it this week at the Eucharist, right? Did we? Pharisees come to me this last week. Pharisees come to Jesus. What's the, well, you know, what's, the, what's the greatest of these? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and your neighbor as yourself, right? So love is the one word that fulfills it. Just love people and you'll be fine. Not sloppily, not vindictively, not disciplining your children by withholding love. I used to ask that in new members class, and then I get, it makes me sad, so I don't ask it anymore. But don't raise your hand, but how many of you were disciplined by your parents? A favorite way of disciplining you was to withhold their love from you. You would have heard it something like this. No daughter of mine would ever. Or, if that's the way you are, you can't be part of this family. Or, in the extreme cases, out the door then, you're on your own. Right? Well, I mean, we don't have any uh, biblical precedent for any of that. We have a biblical precedent for Jesus seeking people who have been broken and healing people who are ill and going to really big sinners and forgiving them and um, bringing them back. That's the, that's, that's the way the Bible works. That's the way Scripture works. That's the way Jesus works, right? So, I mean, my last, you know, my last... We're not going to do anything today. <laughs> so my last conversation with Pastor Bukes this morning. I mean, this is what's so great about being with Nelson and Bukes. I mean, this, this is the, so my Nelson-Bukes continuum this morning is Pastor Nelson singing his rendition of A Mighty Fortress. And then Pastor Bukes saying, you know, what are we going to do with all these people who, because catechumen is coming. And what happens is, is we're very generous with people in terms of we talk to them, we say basically a single question. If you want to come under our care, this is presuming they know the basic stuff. We'll begin to commune you, and you come to the catechumenate. And then, so we always have this glitch where, you know, we get this number of people who say, yes, we want to be under your care. We'll baptize a child, do a wedding, give them the Eucharist. And then what happens? And we don't see them. Or they get the invitation of the catechumenate. They're like, yeah, I'm not really sure about that. And then, of course, how do we feel? Yeah, like you asked us to prom, and then you got a better offer because you asked somebody else, Right? Now we're not sure we have a prom date, and my tummy hurts. That's how we feel, right? <laughs> and so, you know, um, we always think, and, and, and so we were trying to describe, you know, to each other. We were trying to think about, 
the natural reaction is to call people up and give them hell when they do that to us, right? Because we'd feel good and judgment would be effective, right? You know, the other side is to be so open-minded that your brains fall out. Yeah, we don't care about anything. Do whatever you want. It's all going to work out, whatever. Yeah, just keep the bratwurst coming, okay? That's, you know. You're somewhere in the middle is a reflective, loving community where you say, this is what we stand for. We're not perfect. This is what we stand for. You're not perfect. This is what we stand for. You all need to be forgiven. We need to be forgiven, too. We know it's not easy. It wouldn't be like this if it was easy. So this, I'll just give you two examples. The service this morning and Oktoberfest on the weekend. Oktoberfest was flawless, Right? You didn't even know that we ran short on beer. And the vicar passed his vicarage in one day by going to Jewel and getting five cases on ice. (laughs) But you didn't even notice, did you? No, because there was never a time when you reached into the ice and came back empty-handed. You might have gotten a Bud Light, for which I apologize. But we we did bring, you know, you kind of, or this morning. I mean, if you were at the early service, right, there was a lot of hullabaloo at the early service. There was a lot going on, right? You know, it ran, actually, it ran 180 seconds over, so a little bit of a demerit there. You know, actually, you know, we're trying to get you out, actually, on the 30. But with all that was going on, especially the music, and a full boat, and everybody communing, and all that was going on, you know, that happens because of you. That happens because people here are kind and loving and they work hard and everybody does their part and the ushers get it right and Carol's handing out bags and they're singing and the organ is playing and everything. You know, it doesn't, this doesn't happen by accident. The trouble is if you start to treat it like it happens like accident, you will forget to love. You'll forget to say your prayers and tangle up the devil. You'll forget to tithe and give alms to the poor, a real 10%. By the way, I'm here to confess You're not getting a box of envelopes this year. Woe, you will say to me, what is this plague that has come upon us? (laughs) To which I will reply, long we have suffered these many years under the tyranny of boxes not picked up. (laughs) So for a small increase from $2 a person to $4 a person, you will now receive your envelopes in the mail once a month. Yes, you will. Skeptical, I know, but Moses threw down a rod and it turned to a snake. I know. (laughs) Held up the rod in the Red Sea part. It'll be like that. You will say, what miracle is this? (laughs) So you're, you know, but when you get your, you know, I mean, your envelopes are going to come in the mail starting in December for January. Just pay attention. When you say, well, that costs too much, know that it really doesn't cost too much. It's so much easier. And it it just makes it, all right. Take seriously the fact that you need to come to church every week. Take seriously the fact that you need to say your prayers and tangle up the demons. Right? Take seriously the fact that there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can't see. You can't see. Right? The limit of the world is not what you can see. There's a whole, bunch, there's a whole other world going on. Say your prayers. Tie the real 10% or work toward it. Give something to the poor, for goodness sakes. You know, this week in Wheaton, Illinois, it starts to rain and turns cold. And... You know, I'm dropping my wife off whatever day that was at the train, Monday or Tuesday, and, you know, all the homeless people are lined up at the train station, standing still in the rain, getting soaked to to the bone. And you kind of go, really? Where I live? This is where I live? Where people stand in the rain and don't have any place to go?
you know, come to the Eucharist. Live in love. And if you do that automatically, that's a good witness to people. Automat it's automatic. If you live in love, it'll all work out. It'll work out as truth. It'll work out as virtue. It'll work out as community. It'll just work out. Just do it. It's just not that. It is what it is, okay? Um, it's probably good to talk about that. I, I've wanted to talk about that ever since we started. Um, this notion of that beauty informs thinking, that love informs thinking. You know, this notion that we... Um, just thinking is kind of this pure, raw thing that it all works, and then it kind of got bundled into in the last century is I'll think how you want, and you think how you want, and we'll all think differently, and that's kind of made us all into different tribes. It's not working out, right? It is true that there are different tribes and different cultures and different things, but there are things above that, virtue, right? So we have to, we have to think about that and kind of, you know, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. We're going to do what we do, and we let the chips fall where they may, and we let the Lord sort it out at the end. All right. Um, yeah, well, if I just tap dance around for another two minutes, I can say, actually, I stopped on time. I wouldn't even have to say I stopped early, but I got nothing. So um, <laughs> questions about anything? Uh, this one last thing. We're probably going to... We're probably gonna Another, another adoring fan. <laughs> Curious who that might be. Somebody I love. All right. Um, without a lot of fanfare, we're probably going to have a capital campaign over the next couple of years. Um, this is kind of fun. I'll just tell you this just because we're, you know, not because we need to, because we want to. We, you know, we got about $3.5 million in debt. we got about $2 million in fun projects to do. And... Um, we should probably try to step on the gas with those things. So you'll probably hear from us about that. You should already be, we haven't done this for years, right? It's been almost 10 years since we really did anything serious. Well, we tried to raise a couple of million bucks seriously. So even now, you can kind of start to think about maybe how you'd reorient your life. And, you know, each of you at this table, you're probably good for 100000 each. You over there. Yeah, yeah, don't look away. I'm making eye contact with you. <laughs> You know, if we put a couple of million bucks together, that'd probably be a good thing. You know, pay off a little debt and um, fix a few things up and keep going. In a congregation, you always want to show motion, right? So you come to church every week and you feel good because the pipe organ is coming up. You come to church and it's even stupid stuff like, you know, paving the, it's like paving the parking lot. Or, you know what, blowing up that building next door, right? I mean, there's a thousand things to do and... and um, we should not try to, the danger of, this kind of goes with things working. The, I, so here's the thing. Let's, we're going to play you, be me real quick, and then we've got to go to church. But we'll be you, be me. You know, the things that people complain about here, right? I, I can't even, it's hard for me to think of some right now. But like, um, what? Right bathrooms. Really? They're complaining about that? <laughs> She said, bright yellow bathrooms. I'm like, here's the thing. I've never been in the women's bathrooms in this. Because someday in court, I want to say, I want to be able to say, I've never been in the women's bathroom. <laughs> somebody actually at the, somebody at Torfest was saying, the women's bathrooms here are so nice. There's a place, apparently there's a place to sit and like get ready. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Which is a good thing to be able to say as the past. Yeah, but I mean, the things that people kind of complain to me about now, 
and they're not really complaining. People go, "Have you? Are you paying attention to this?" They're like, "I'm like, I always do like this. Like, I put on my like, we're almost at death's door face, and I'm like, bright yellow bathrooms. You're right. You know what that can do to a congregation? I don't know. But I mean, part of it is is." So I've been talking to the victim about this a little bit. If he was, is he here? I could ask him to go through his, but here's, he's already left. You know, so here's, I said, Vic, got to listen to things. So we always compare notes, like what are the things that might be irritating somebody or something, right? Um, And then I I say to the Vic, like, this is how you know things are okay when people are complaining about the pain of the women's bathroom. You had to take that seriously. Like, so when you look at Judy, go like this. I know you were just helping me. I love you. So uh, the thing is, is but 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 I said to the Vic, you know, one of the things we give the you know we give the Vic these list of aphorisms, right? The very first one you all know, which is you don't get out of trouble, you stay out of trouble, right? So this week his aphorism was you got to create your own static, which is why we're having a capital campaign. Because the thing is, is I got to get you thinking about something more than the inside of a woman's bathroom, right? You got there's more to do in the world. Although we will fix that too, by the way, right? <laughs> So uh, anyway, more to come. Kind of don't be surprised about it. But, but it's kind of fun to do things when you don't have to do them. Most congregations have to have a capital campaign because they're like, oh, the lights are going to go off, and what are we going to do? Pastor, why don't you get some more members to keep the lights on? I'm like, members? I have members. They should keep the lights on. But anyway, so you, know, you kind of go, no, but there's all kinds of fun stuff to do. You should see all the things that might be possible. All right, anything else about anything? Confession is good for the soul. All right, um, we'll come back and we'll talk next week about Jesus being at a wedding, which are always fraught with danger, right? All right, let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom. Teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, thanks. See you next week. Happy Reformation.